A podium reinstated, personal shakeups, and rumors forced to be addressed. This is Into the Chicane, a Formula One podcast with me, your host, Channing Apodaca, my co-host, as always, the man on the soundboard, Brendan Wood. Yo. Good to see you. How's it going? Good. Chilling. We're here on a nice Sunday afternoon. Uh, we're a week out from the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and we thought it was over in our last episode, uh, but within like an hour, I would say, of of us discussing the Fernando Alonso controversy with George Russell getting on the podium instead of him, the whole penalty drama that happened, they sent out a statement saying that Fernando had been reinstated. Yeah, they were reversing their decision. They were reverse, almost reversing their reverse because they first had him on it, then gave it to George, then gave it back. Yeah. So apparently how it went down was after Alonzo served his penalty in the race, the remote center, the FIA official uh-huh. remote center that they've been using the past couple of years. And they're in Switzerland, right? Yeah. I don't, Geneva. Something like that. They, they confirmed to the race control that they had uh, served the penalty correctly. Uh-huh. And then apparently within the lap, last few laps of the race, there's a message going to race control. Actually, oh no, uh, someone was actually touching the rear of the car with the jack. So that's what raised all these questions and and just kind of confused a lot of people, especially Fernando. He was quoted as saying they had 35 laps to to figure that to out. To figure that out. Right. And yet they still can't couldn't get it right. Yeah, I mean that's the FAA doing FAA stuff. Um it seems a little bit petty for them to even take that to take the podium away from him. To begin with, when you're just talking about, you know, placement of a jack, is it really going to affect it all that much? Yeah. Um, but what you looked into, it seems like uh, Aston Martin did their own due diligence. They did their own yeah. lawyering and figured out all these different ins- – they did their own little Roe versus Wade. They showed a bunch of different uh, cases where this had already happened and nobody yeah. was penalized for it. Yeah, somebody had come up with seven different instances where teams had – been touching the car with the jack and the FIA let it go by. So I don't know if they had those in their back pocket already, just waiting for that to I come up or, or if someone just really quickly went through and that I, that's actually the more I think about it, that's pretty impressive that they were able to pull up seven different instances of that within an hour of the race. Maybe they spent those 35 laps, you know, that the FIA kind of wasn't doing their job. Maybe they spent their, that those 35 laps literally looking into that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, who knows? Maybe they've already had these discussions prior to the season, like what to do in this circumstance. Yeah. If we get called out for making a mistake or something, you can say, well, we have all these other circumstances. Interesting. I wonder if the, um, the Esteban Ocon incident at the Bahrain Grand Prix had anything to do with that, you know, them looking into it and going, well, if sure. we find ourselves in this situation, um, let's get a folder ready. Yeah. I mean, now that you just said that, it's like, yo, well, here's another circumstance where uh, Alpine kind of gets caught out as yeah. maybe not doing the best due diligence with their things behind the scenes, you know? I, I wonder how they feel about uh, their penalty. Exactly. Now. They they could have easily gotten the same reversal of a decision if they pushed as hard as or had the same kind of evidence yeah. that Aston Martin had, so... Uh, interesting. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I wonder if there's a case to be had for them to get Esteban Ocon's penalty reversed now, or if it's just too late. 
If, I don't know. I don't know what you the... Know, what is there the, a double jeopardy or a, law, a, a statute of limitations there, on... There probably is of where, how much time you have to... To protest. To yeah. protest it, but it Interesting. was... Interesting. Yeah, you know, and people were just saying, oh, well, this just goes to show another circumstance where FIA just went with the quick decision just to kind of get the show rolling and yeah. then kind of figure it out later. And Yeah, and, I mean, I, I do have my complaints on that. Um, so does... Mercedes team principal Toto Wolf apparently he said we've been victims of that in 2021 where everything was down to the entertainment for a quick decision and it robbed the greatest driver of the championship. I'm getting tired of this. I'm getting tired of going on Twitter every single day and seeing hashtag Red Bull tweets, hashtag Lewis Hamilton. Uh, FIA fixed. FIA, yeah, F1, F1 fixed. fixed. Yeah. FIA cheats, um, all these Lewis Hamilton stand accounts, which look, I love Lewis. He is the greatest driver of all time. That was a sketchy race. It was two years ago. Yeah. And it's not on Red Bull to make that decision. It's not Red Bull being in the, or the FIA being in Red Bull's pocket. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, he made a call. Yeah. The framing is often that like the FIA did it on purpose to penalize Mercedes because Mercedes has, had been doing so well for so long. I see, I, I don't, I don't buy into that narrative. I also don't buy into like the whole, oh, they want Max Verstappen to win because it seemed for, for seven years that the FAA wanted Lewis to win. Yeah. He was their poster boy for, for seven or eight years, despite you know the year that Nico beat him. But he was the face of F1, and he was the one growing the sport, and he did a great job for it, so the FIA loved him, and, and he got away with a shit ton. Look at the first, the first lap of that race. He cut a corner, and he overtook Max by, you know, like 50 feet because of that corner. And they di- they told him he didn't have to give the position back because he had Max had gained a significant significant amount of time. But that's Max's own doing. Yeah, and that whole season, they both got gifted they got a different shit things done. from in different circumstances. You so know, was, you could argue that yeah. Lewis should have been black flagged from Silverstone for sending it up the inside on on cops or whatever that, that turn was. Mm. Um, you know? Yeah, it's 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 to, it's really frustrating to see people just assuming, you know, that it, the FIA wants any particular team, especially when it's like, oh, people joking or saying, oh, look how funny it is that FIA tried to change the rules to make it more of an even playing field, and now Red Bull's so far ahead, blah yeah. blah blah. It's like, well, that's not like Red Bull has the best engineers. That's why they're so far ahead, and they, they have, just they have endless pockets. Yeah, I mean, everyone's under a cost cap, right? And mm-hmm. that is that is a step in the right direction. But, you know, at the same time, just because one team is able to make the most out of what they have and actually, like, do a really good job does not mean that the FIA, that's what they wanted to happen. Right. Right? The FIA wants it to be competitive. And yeah, the FIA wants to make money. I think that's where their head is at. 100%. They'll put they'll put whatever poster boy is going to make them the most money and spread their market. Mm -hmm. You know, if anybody is going to be, you know, making out on the better side of the FIA's rulings, it's going to be Logan Sargent because the United States right now is their premier market. But Logan's not going to get that. So the argument is moot, you know? Yeah, well, I think the thing is, like, in each one of these circumstances where... I mean, by that logic. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like... In all these circumstances, 
where the FIA makes a decision that benefits one team or another, it's, I think it's pretty obvious to me that it's not like a deliberate thing. It's just a matter of people mm-hmm. making mistakes in circumstances. Cause people, yeah. at the end of the day, the people running this organization are people and they're likely to make the decisions that aren't maybe the best one. Yeah. And they are doing things quickly trying to just get the show on the road and they're trying to do things that will cause the least amount of controversy controversy least amount of friction unfortunately for like the rulings and and the way the fia works it's not black and white there's a lot of there's a lot of space in between there's a lot Mm -hmm. of gray space and that that leaves room for interpretation of rulings that leaves room for human error um and and i I don't think that's going to change either Mm-hmm. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. They're going to have, that's the reason they have a race director is for the race director to call it. You know, other sports, you have referees on the ice making or on the playing field. Yeah. And sometimes the decisions they make are going to be They're going to wrong. affect outcomes. And it's not going to be because there's a grand conspiracy for right. that they want one team to win. Um, but one thing that I did think was interesting this week is we had the, uh, it's the FIA exhibit. Yeah, in, in uh, Spain. In Spain and Madrid. And they in the gift shop, they had the um, coffee mug that they were selling that has the uh, no Michael no yeah. trans- transcription on there. The biggest controversial moment in F1 in probably the last decade or more. Yeah. And, and now they're monetizing it. And a lot of people are not happy about that. They think it's I think somewhat, it's hilarious. Yeah. People could say uh, that that's just not appropriate to just try to shine a a light on uh, things where they definitely screwed up. Is is it uncouth of them to to make money off of Total Wolf's despair? It kind of is fucked up. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But also, at least it shows a lighter side of the FIA and Formula One altogether. At least they're like... This is also them kind of like making making it known that they know that this is controversial. They're not just putting a veil of secrecy over it. And they're being like, yes, we, we're we aware of how controversial this is. It's going to be a blip on our record. It's going to be a blip on Red Bull and Max's record. There's going to be an asterisk next to that championship till the end of Formula One, which I hope never comes. Mm-hmm. Who cares? It's a mug. Yeah. At the end of the day, like it, it's something to just laugh about. Anybody who's really upset about that, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you're gonna you're in for a long road yeah. of despair. Take a Xanax and chill yeah. out. Have a beer, enjoy yourself. Um, we have a bunch of like off track news to get into this week uh, before we get into anything having to do with the Australian Grand Prix, which is one week away. Um, big shakeups for a couple different teams. McLaren has changes. McLaren announced that the, uh, the departure of director. Technical director James Key as part of a major restructure. It also includes the arrival of former Ferrari man David Sanchez, um, which was previously reported. Um, He's not going to start until January of 2024. But the role of one person is now going to be done by three different people. Yeah. So when they did the car launches Mm preseason, James Key notably wasn't there. Zach Brown was the one who went out there and, and talked about how they didn't quite hit the goals that they wanted to hit. That's when we heard that they were going to be hoping to the get fourth, to fourth yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So 
now hearing this, it all kind of makes sense that this has kind of been in the works for a while. They're just trying to finalize everything. Interesting. Um, man, lineup shakeups preseason and, and so early into the season is, is so, so, so sad for these teams. Yeah. You know, well, the question is, you know, with these changes, McLaren is looking to really change their trajectory, right? Like, yeah. Do you feel like this? there's any sort of timeline for that happening that people can really be excited about? Or, you know, like we were talking about last week with Lando, you know, how, how long is he going to stick around and wait for them to figure things out? I don't know. I, I that's that's becoming like really one of the storylines of the season. I think is um, the curious case of Lando Norris and where where he goes. Does he ride it out with this team? Because it, we've talked about it ad nauseum with McLaren. Things are just kind of getting worse before they're getting better over there. Um, and part of the reason why it, it looks so bad is because they should not be in this situation to begin with. They should be battling for third. Constantly. I think they should be a close third, probably fourth, um, at least, you know, on track and off track battling with Alpine, and they're so far away from that. So a timetable for them, I don't see them getting any better until Audi shows up. And so that makes the whole Lando Norris situation really interesting. There's already rumors of him. So you you think at least two, three years before we see them kind of competitive in that unless they really have something yeah i would like to say that they have something up their sleeve you know a la the vein of aston martin where they just you know jumped ship Mm -hmm. from their previous setup everything to you know leapfrogging the field and now they're perennial second place contenders i don't see that happening with them with this giant you know their technical director leaving the beginning of the season things are going to be worse before they get better. I think this is going to, it's going to continue because now they're bringing in three people to do the, the job of one. I forget. I was listening to uh, the athletic show, the race, and they haven't had this three person, this three headed monster, you know, three mm-hmm. people taking one job on since I forget which team. And it didn't go well. It didn't go well for the last team that did it. Mm-hmm. I forget who it was. Um, but yeah, it, it's too many voices. It's, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, I don't see it going well for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. We'll see. I mean, Andrea Stella's going to be there, and, and he's going to be, I think, the head mm-hmm. of the whole operation. So I'm interested to see how he kind of sets up that hierarchy and and how those roles uh, interact with each other. And I, I, I feel optimistic about it. You know, it's probably going to be a couple years. Honestly, yeah. and it's going to come down to that wire where we're going to be looking at Lando being like, is he going to go or is he yeah. is he not? You know, it, it's really going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I mean. I feel with if Audi's really as enticing as they sound like they're going to be, I feel like McLaren's going to be having to cough up a little extra money to try and keep him around. Absolutely. Um, and whether or not he's going to want to is – is is going to be the real question because there's it's going to be Audi. I still think that there's a chance that he could go to Red Bull because I don't think Red Bull has anyone in the pipeline that they really want to fill. Uh, you know, I don't think Yuki's going to get the job. I don't think Nick DeVries is going to get the job. 
Who knows if Liam Lawson's going to pan out and be somebody that they want to put in that seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Checo's going to be out here pretty soon. I don't think he's going to stick around there too long, especially with a little bit of friction that they seem to be finding themselves with with those two. Uh, so I think that's still an option. And then you have the the case of, you know, does Lewis want to stay at Mercedes, which is something that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, little McLaren reunion? Oh, no, I doubt that. <laughs> uh, maybe. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, just no. whether or not he's going to stay in Formula One. And then if that Mercedes yeah. seat becomes available, I think they're going to nab up Lando. Yeah. No, it was funny to see more, see some people talking about a uh, Alonzo Hamilton reunion at Aston, at Aston Martin. Martin. It uh, would be pretty funny to see. But honestly, I don't think Lewis is going to go anywhere that A, he doesn't think he can win. Exactly. And B, isn't going to, or he's not going to be like the number one guy. Right. Um, and I just don't think that there's. See, I honestly, I think he'd re, he'd probably retire before <laughs> going to like a, a number two or number three team. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's just this again this question that's been up in the air all season is how long does he want to stick around and and weigh his options or you know does he really want to the best chance at winning his eighth? Yeah, which uh, we'll get to here in a little bit. Um. So not only did McLaren. Uh, have some uh, staffing changes, but apparently Mercedes has uh, let some people go. Uh, apparently some people uh, that were in charge of some of their like wind tunnel testing and stuff like that. Uh, Cause they were having correlation problems with simulations they're running and, and what, what they're actually seeing results wise when they get the car on the track. And so some people leaving there, Maybe we'll start to see some Bigger some help in that up. little shakeup, you know. Um, but th- this brought me to an, another point that um, I wanted to talk to uh, talk to you about was the fact that um, with problems we're seeing at McLaren, problems we're seeing at Mercedes, uh, I saw a data point that the Ferrari was 0.7 slower this year than they were last year. That's, Saudi Arabia. That's interesting. Um, are we seeing as much as Red Bull hit it out of the park this year? Are we also seeing just a lot of the teams that were in that second, third place tier fumbling the bag as well? I feel I feel like that is they're partially to blame for the, for the gap in the field. Yeah, like I mean, like you were saying earlier, everybody's pointing at Red Bull and saying that they're cheating because they're doing well or whatever. Not a lot of blame, not enough blame is being put on all the other teams. Like for Ferrari's, you know, giant side pod concoction that they've built with that car clearly isn't working out great for them. Their porpoising last year was really slowing them down. It's putting pressure on their drivers, like physical, actual distress. So that like that general concept for that car, clearly they were off the pace with Red Bull. They were just having issues. I mean, they were they were fighting, but it, it fell apart, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want to let that go. Mercedes, on the opposite end, went with the side pod list car. Mm-hmm. I've been calling it the little dart, little not even a, I guess a literal silver arrow, and that didn't work out for them. And now they're just as we were talking about, I think last week, they're just starting to scrap that design. Not enough people are being blamed for this. They're seven second point seven seconds off, but we're still talking about Red Bull pointing a finger at Red Bull and going, well, they're doing something wrong. No, you guys are doing something wrong. I mean, wrong. people are still hung up on the cost cap thing from yeah, two years ago. Off. And what 
very minimal advantage they may have gained from that is I don't think as representative of what we're seeing here. It's a superior design. Look at what Aston Martin did. They mimicked it and now they're doing great. I mean, honestly, they didn't even mimic it entirely. These mimicked aspects of it, but they nailed it in other aspects Mm -hmm. of that car. Right. Um, You know, you look at things like, uh, like their DRS efficiency, like the Red Bull and the Aston Martin are on like opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. With that, you know, so there are big differences in the car, but you know, Red Bull just has a package that's just on point for, for, for where everyone else is. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know how much more we can say about it. These, these teams are struggling and, and Red Bull's not Aston Martin's not like it, it's a changing of the guard a little bit. And, we said it before, Red Bull's entering a dominance era that I think could surpass Mercedes of the last decade. Another little bit of a shakeup that happened, um, I'm sure you heard about this. It's been making a little bit of waves and adding to the the controversy pool with Lewis Hamilton is that uh, Lewis Hamilton's now former physiotherapist, right-hand gal, Angela Cullen, decided, not even mid-season, beginning of the season, that she's she's leaving Lewis behind after... I don't even remember how many years they've spent together. More than a decade, I think, or you know, the better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. She's been Lewis's literal right-hand gal holding a umbrella over his head, being by his side through ups and downs, and now she she announced just kind of seemingly out of the blue. I don't know yeah. anything behind the scenes how how Me long neither. this was speculated, but she has left him. Um but it Optically, it looks a little strange that all of a sudden when things are literally just looking like they're going further downhill for Mercedes and for Lewis and his his chances at an eight that she wants to up and leave. And I just saw right now within the last few hours, apparently she just posted on social media that uh, she's not having any any second thoughts about it. She's on a paragliding trip or something and seems extremely happy with her decision. What do you make of this? I have no idea. I've seen things where it seemed as if he let her go. Like the I I forget what exactly the comment was, uh-huh. but and then there was also something that he said he said where it was obviously that she it was her decision to right. leave. So I don't really know what to make of it. It is kind of weird the timing. Who knows, maybe something happened in her life where she was just didn't want to do the traveling. I mean, think about the schedule that mm-hmm. they have to have to deal with being on one of those teams and being part of that whole circus. Not easy. Yeah, and the thing goes through November, right? right? So you're spending 10, 11 months out of the year traveling all over. Just your whole life is just dedicated to basically this one person. Right. That's, you yeah, know, the money's knows? probably good, but after doing it for eight or nine years, I can imagine... Yeah. Probably feel a little bit burnt out. Um, oh, hundred percent. We don't know if it's if it's um, personal reasoning. We don't know if it's uh, professional or job related. Yeah. But the timing of it does make it seem interesting. Even just like just this, uh, maybe it's just a sensitive thing for Lewis. He's Lewis is a sensitive guy. Yeah. But when he's asked about it, it did seem a little like it was a very touchy subject for him. You know, and it could just be that he was kind of wish that she had stuck it out for another couple of years with him. Yeah. And maybe that's all it is, but I saw one thing, uh, just a headline. I didn't read the article, but just on the Google search when I was 
digging into it, there was a something that popped up that said Angela Cullen Red Bull, which I'm not going to put any <laughs> any thought into that because no, yeah. I, I really someone trolling there. Yeah. It, it's probably just people looking into it because there is so much talk about uh, rumor of Lewis and a Red Bull connection. So anything attached to him, like you know, people are going to speculate exactly. Um, which takes us to like something that I I want to talk about. Um, Christian Horner had to break the fourth wall and address a driver change rumor of Lewis going to Red Bull. And he had to he had to go on Sky Sports, which is a giant sports media, media news in general outlet, and say that Lewis is not coming to Red Bull. I mean, he didn't go on there to say this. He no, was he on didn't. there he in was, an interview, and they asked him this he question. He was asked. Yeah. You're right. Okay, so I phrased that wrong. He was doing an interview <laughs> on like, Sky Sports. I need to set up a press conference <laughs> right now. Address um, these Twitter rumors. But that is still big that somebody, you know, a Sky Sports uh, reporter is asking that question, or that a reporter. Well, sure. I mean, look Sky at the res- look at the response his answer got. Yeah, it's it's big news. So yeah. this is a big rumor, um, and that all stems from the fact. But the question is being asked, can Lewis win an eighth world championship anywhere but Red Bull? And mm-hmm. the answer right now looks like no. So the the idea that if he wants to win this world championship, this eighth, and be the, the record holder for it, which he does want, that he then he has to go to Red Bull to get that done because they're so far ahead of the field. So then that begs the rumor, is Lewis going to go to Red Bull? Would Lewis take the opportunity... Would Christian Horner and Helmut Marco entertain the idea of giving Lewis a one-year contract to let him and Max fight it out in the same machine? It ain't going to happen. I, Would I a, want it? In a oh. one-year contract? No, because he, if he was going to move to another team, he would need at least a year or two just to get, just to get comfortable, used to car, right? Yeah. Get used to the car, get used to the team, get used to all, you know, and then the idea... I also... Ra- Go ahead. And it just raises the question, would Red Bull even want right. to have another driver in there that's going to compete with Max? Mm-hmm. If Max is their number one, do they find that troublesome for their number, yeah. their a second driver to be fighting? To be that good? Like, I mean, of course, much, yeah. they want a good driver. We, sure, all want, yeah. we all want Checo to compete with Max this season. We've been talking about that. That would be lovely and amazing. How likely is it? Probably, you know, 25% or lower. I think it. the big thing is, would Max even allow that? Let's say Christian and, and Helmet came up to him. Max would say no. Yas wouldn't let it happen. Exactly. <laughs> that's, you know, that's Max's team. He has a lot of say in how that team runs. He has a lot of say in how that car is set up. Much this, like Lewis has with Mercedes exactly, right now. Exactly. Right? So. You know? Um, so I don't. The, the likelihood of it is about 0% and Christian Horner had to address that. I just found out, I just found it to be interesting because this is, this is a question that we've talked about on this show, you know, um, is the likelihood of, you know, somebody going to that seat and, and competing against Max. Um, but the fact that he had to address it is also something that I want to say, you know, this little podcast on Formula One here in Los Angeles, we have our finger on the pulse. We've, we've predicted news stories in Formula One multiple times. This is just one in a handful. So if you want the breaking news, zoom in on me. You tune into this fucking show, okay? We've been five steps ahead of every other story. Back to our regular programming. Facts. Next, 
a uh, little bit more Audi talk. Audi, you this is something completely new to me. You found this. You dug this yeah, up. Yeah, so um, go ahead. the Shanghai Auto Show, Audi said that they're going to uh, announce more uh, information about their Formula One program. And Interesting. Talking about like the facility that they're going to be building that will probably be ready beginning of 2024, all that stuff. And they were... Uh, the thing I noticed in the in the article, it, they were talking about um, the importance of China as a uh, as a market for for Audi and and how many cars they sell there and everything. And, um, and this being a, a component, um, you know, of this really made me think about the fact uh, that Joe Guan Yu being on the Alpha team now, mm-hmm. which is going to end up as- assuming the the Audi team. You know, does this mean that he's going to have a home in the future? Like, yeah, sounds they, like are they going to want to keep him on? Sounds I, like they're going to want to take him along. Uh, and good. He's performed very well. He, as, This is his sophomore season, right? Yeah. And he's stayed steady in the middle of the pack. Um, oftentimes, you might even say that he's outperformed that car. If, you know, like look at last week. If the barometer, the, the benchmark, is the, the, the steady veteran, and Valtteri Bottas, who finished dead last last week, his teammate outperformed him for the nth time. Good. Keep Joe. He's one of those guys, you know, akin to uh, uh, Lance Stroll, uh, a couple of the other, we'll call them rich boys, who people were saying, you know, oh, they're, he's just a pay driver because he does come from money. He, he's, it was family money that afforded him through F2 and F3 and everything. Um didn't really need a whole lot of sponsorship help, I think. This is what I've heard. Uh, so people are saying, you know, did he just buy his way into Formula One? I think the results speak for themselves. He he can drive, just like Lance Stroll. Dude can drive. Um, yeah. Begs the question, though, is this the end of days for Valtteri Bottas in F1? Because if he can't make it to Audi um, from Alfa Romeo, where else would he even go? You know, he, he would go literally only down from there. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Valtteri. If, if he doesn't over the next couple of years have some like standout performances, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's going to be tough to make a case that he really d- deserves to be in a seat on another team somewhere when, yeah. especially when we're seeing so many uh, rookies be embraced by the sport. It's cool to see new faces all the time, you know, it, but it's same time. That means guys like Valtteri are going to get bumped out unless they're, yeah, you know, really Shame. putting in great performances. So, Shame. I'd hate to see it, but I'm sure Valtteri would uh, ride off into the sunset. 100%. And, uh, His mullet flowing in the wind. <laughs> um, if that happens, you know, he's had a great run. A couple great years at Mercedes. Um, things didn't really pan out his way, but that's what happens when you run into a juggernaut of a teammate. Um, look at what happened to Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> All good things must come to an end. A little bit of uh, breaking news that you sent me yesterday. New Jersey, the city of, what was it? Um, Atlantic City. Atlantic City, New Jersey, is building an entire community. It's proposed. A proposed, yeah. They're not building it yet, but it's it's a proposal. It used to be an airport. Oh, so they're taking the Silverstone route. But they have a proposal to build an entire community, like a shopping center, housing, everything centering around a racetrack, um, a Formula One spec track, basically, right? A road course. Yeah. Um, 
with the idea of enticing Formula One to go there in the future. Interesting. Yeah. Um, when the story first broke, people were uh, mistakenly like linking it with F1 and, and that they've already had talks with like the FIA and all that, but that's not, not the case. So I think it's just people, um, you know, people speculating. Jumping, yeah. People speculating, but you um, know, when something like this happens, you know, I, I feel like when the developers like in their mind, like that's the end goal is yeah, to be able 100%. to ha- host an event like that. So. Right. You wouldn't, I mean, yeah, they're going to have a bunch of different other different series, you know, um, you can do different GT series. You can have, you can potentially put NASCAR on that track for one of their road course weekends. Um, I forget what the uh, the American equivalent of MotoGP is called, but you can do that there. Uh, IndyCar could go there. All sorts of different, you know, series can be raced there. But Formula One would be the end goal. Um, and I I find it interesting that they're planning this entire, like I said, community type thing, whatever you want to call it, around a racetrack. I think that's really cool. And it also, you know, leads into what we've been saying, the narrative of how big the sport is growing here with Drive to Survive, everything in the United States. And the fact that we have three Grand Prix happening here this year alone, it just, it's, you know, yeah, it's just feeding into that, you know, this is a booming economy of its own here in the United States. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to fathom there being four races no, in the U.S. We would, we would but lose it would be one. like an alternate to Miami, Miami or I don't Vegas see Miami or lasting yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that staying. It is kind of a cool spot, though. It's it's kind of fun to see, you know, yeah, the scenery. So, they make it like a little, you know, Monaco vibe, but to me, it's got like Singapore vibes to it. That yeah. hybrid, yeah, hybrid. Um, Road course, street course, yeah. um, high walls. Yeah. Well, I meant more just like the environment, but. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I think that's what's, what Vegas is going to be. Yeah. I think that's why they're doing Vegas is to supplement, to replace Monaco in the future. Yeah. I'm sure there's like structural or just like um, logistical issues with Miami. It makes it yeah less of a draw. You have a, a football team that is going to be playing there, but I mean. They don't start their season until I don't know when. I don't watch football. I doubt they're going to coincide. Uh, let's get to uh, a little bit of talk about the Australian Grand Prix. We're one week out. Uh, we have a close, close battle. Uh, one point difference going into this race between the two Red Bull drivers. Um, some friction there, too. Uh, everything coming out with, you know, Checo and Max's talks and the, the, the fastest lap drama of, you know, Checo had a few words to say post race that I don't I don't remember if we covered that last week or not in the actual post race. Um, but yeah, a little sandpaper between those two yeah, going into this one. I I feel like some of that's going to be smoothed out. Yeah, you know, in the moment, Checo was just confused about the situation, and I think it was just a matter of just a communication thing. Mm-hmm. You know, high hopes I think Why, for him yeah. going into the weekend though, and and we'll see how. I think his uh, his outlook on how the Australian Grand Prix will play out and how, you know, yeah. it's like a, for me, I think Checo's season is a race by race situation. If yeah. he, if he puts up good numbers in practice and, and can qualify good, then I think he will give himself the encouragement to really challenge for a win there. Yeah. Or if he doesn't and he, he looks out class by max the whole weekend, he'll probably do his due diligence to just play his role and, yeah. and, be sort of the support driver to Wonder Boy. Yeah. Know? And I think by now he 
definitely has to understand that Max is going to be playing to win. Yeah. He's not going to, you know, that was something interesting uh, that I thought Max was very distraught. Seeming it seemed after because he didn't win because he didn't win from 15th. He was really uh, upset. He he was quoted as I'm not here to, to finish second. I don't know if he was saying that he was disappointed in himself, disappointed in the team, or, the, or you know everything that went on with uh, the the drive shaft failure that he had in qualifying. But he said, "I'm not here to play second. And I think I think there was part of Max who was upset that he isn't two and zero right now because I I, sure. I think he, you know, there was a rumor of him going twenty three and zero and the potential of it. Max's Max's head is huge. His mm-hmm. his he's a real shoot for the stars. Type of a guy. If it can be done, Max is going to try for it. I think he was a little disappointed in the fact that he his his chance at twenty three and zero was cut short on just the second race of the season. Part of me, I think, thinks that part of Max really was going for that, or, or that he's going to break his own record uh, for most wins in a season, and he's already got a strike against that. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he's necessarily thinking about it in that like detailed of a view but Mm -hmm. definitely every time he's out on the racetrack he wants to win yeah and if he doesn't do it if he especially you know when he sees that there's a chance he can do it and it doesn't happen that's when i think he gets most frustrated and there for for a, a small second there was a glimmer of of a chance for him to be able to do it last week mm-hmm. and it kind of slipped away from him i feel like that's kind of why we saw his attitude yeah Interesting, um, but I, I think, I, and it was Helmut Marco who even said, you know, we're going to see another new version of Max in Australia, so he's probably going to come out like a bat out of hell. Yeah, this week is going to be, I think, going to be really, really hard for anybody to give Red Bull any sort of yeah. a challenge because if if it's if they don't change it like they did last year, we'll have four DRS zones. Red Bull's got the top speed right now. Yeah, they have the most effective DRS. Their DRS is out of, disgusting. Out of control, right? So if they can just keep it together and not have any technical problems, yeah. I feel like they're just going to blow everybody out of the water. So, yep. Okay, before we get into our bold predictions, I wanted to, because uh, we didn't get to talk about this, I just remembered. Um, after Fernando Alonso was announced that he got his uh, third place back, uh, George Russell had tweeted the the photos of how he was so excited to get the team's first podium of the year, and then Fernando Alonso responded with that like GoPro, oh yeah, uh, head, like, hola, yeah, <laughs> the head cam of him like knocking on the door looking for his uh, his trophy back. Ten out of ten trolling from Fernando Alonso. He's he's so good this year. He's so amazing. He's his cheeks have to be so sore because he's just in every aspect, just grinning ear to ear from everything happening uh, uh, with him this season and the Aston Martin team. I'm so, so here for it. I can't believe I've done such a 180 on, on Aston Martin, but like that was just the 100% best response he could have given. It was so good. Handled, handled like a champ. Yeah. Uh, He could have, been a dick about it, but he, it was just a nice little elbow, and it was funny, and it was a goofy-looking picture. So, so fucking good. It's amazing. Yep. All right, so let's get to our bold prediction. So I had an idea. Since we didn't do bold predictions for the first race of the season, it was something that we did after Bahrain. Yeah. 
I was thinking we could do six bold predictions to supplement the three that we didn't make okay. for that one. Um, and like you said, uh, I mentioned it to you before, we're going to have to pull some things out of our ass, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of these might be uh, a little wishy-washy, uh, a little bit of a stretch. But I don't know. I think mine are pretty spot on. So I think mine are pretty solid. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat myself since we, you know, we're really digging deep here. Two of mine are going to be repeats from last week, but I, I still hold strong on them. Same here. I got two repeats. Good. Perfect. My, my first bold prediction for the Australian Grand Prix, again, a McLaren will finish last. I barely missed. I barely missed last week. It wasn't for Valtteri Baltas literally, you know, laying an egg on that race. Um, that sounds like a Christian counselor way of saying things. I'm really laying an egg on that one. Um, I, I would have hit a point. Um, Alex Albon in the points, I still have faith. That's probably a bad one because the Williams isn't going to be... There's not enough straightaways, I think, at, in Australia for Williams to really excel there. So they might have a bad weekend, but I love my boy Alex. Um, my next bold prediction, this is a new one. The leading Red Bull will finish 30-plus seconds ahead of the next team. So whether it's Checo, whether it's Max, the gap between presumably Fernando Alonso will be 30-plus seconds. Okay. Is that bold enough for you? Sure. Cool. Uh, next one, we will see a shoey. Somebody, somebody's doing a shoey. Somebody's going to do a shoey on the podium. I mean, this is going to be the first race that uh, Ricardo's at. Exactly. <laughs> He's just going to show up and just do one. I don't know. At some point, at some point, we're going to see a shoey. Is that I'll just like go- on the? Is that just like on the broadcast? Like they're just going to show somebody doing one? I'm going to say that we're going to do. We'll, we'll see one on the podium. How about that? I'll make it a little a bit bolder. I, okay. Um. So I'm not going to say it, but I'm. This isn't part of my prediction, but I think it'll be Fernando Alonso because, again, <laughs> he's just having himself a party uh, all oh year long. Um, somebody will do a shoey. If he does a shoey, I will just do a backflip in my seat. All right. That's your bold prediction. You're going to do a back. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, fifth bold prediction, we're going to see one or fewer safety cars. So one or zero. Okay. I think it's going to be a clean race. I don't think there's going to be too many anything props. to stop it. Um, which is kind of counterintuitive. There's a couple tricky corners. There is, but I don't I don't know how mucky it's going to get. And it, my next prediction is going to be counterintuitive to that. Uh, George Russell will make contact <laughs> with somebody. I don't think it's going to stop the race, Ooh. but I think he's going to rub wheels with somebody. Oh, interesting. Yep. Okay. So those are my six. Okay. So just to stay on that, one of my six, I was going to say Russell finishes ahead of Hamilton. Interesting. He's he's got the momentum going yeah. for him. Um, another repeat. I think you're going to get a point on that one. I think okay, all right, I'll take it. I don't know if it's does that mean it's not bold enough or? Eh, I think that's flying just above the radar. Okay, I was going to say uh, Alex back in points again. Okay, I'm I'm going Hulk in points. Okay, you know he's had a couple races not go so well. He, some great qualifying, but wait, I don't, I don't know if it's fair. Can we have the same prediction? It didn't come true last time. Okay, so, um, starting to get a little more bold here. Charles, top three in qualifying. That's a good one. Uh, let's say I don't know. This is number that is where he shines. Four. 
Char- or five. Charles, top five in the race. Okay. So I feel like he's going to end up moving back from where he qualifies. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty. That's a good one because you do have him. He's going to be battling with both Mercedes and Lance Stroll, presumably. So, and his teammate. So yeah, top five. Bold enough. My last one was Stroll, top five. Stroll, top five. Mm, okay. I feel like it'll be Red Bull, Red Bull, Aston Martin, Aston Martin, Ferrari. I can see that. I mean, haven't they done that two races already? Or no, he Stroll finished sixth in one race. Apologies. Okay. Good enough. And then we'll recap. Um, so our bold predictions from last week, uh, I had Alex in the points, three teams on the podium, and a McLaren comes in last. That was as close as I got. Alex was off the podium by, I think, two or three spots. Um, three teams did not get on the podium. Red, put, Red Bull put the kibosh on that. Uh, but I did come close with uh, Oscar Piastri finishing last. Um, but again, that old angle was laid by Valtteri Baltas, and then you had Oscar DNF didn't happen. You had Pierre top 10, so you get one point there. Oh, you had a Nico top 10, didn't happen. So you're leading the bold predictions race one to nothing going into round three. Let's do some fantasy updates and then uh, put a put a ribbon on this bitch. Can you scroll down? I think I have our... So it should be at the very bottom. There okay, we go. Fantasy update after round two. We tried to give you guys a fantasy update uh, immediately after the race, but whoever's running Formula One fantasy software is fucking slower than Valtteri Bottas. Uh, incident myself in the lead. 590 points. Porpoise Power Brandon only behind me by 25 points. That's an easy, easy overtake. Um, you're right there within striking distance. Good friend of the show, last week's guest, Cole. Let's go full throttle. 512. Jay Money big, making a big leap from where he was at uh, into the 502 number. Um, his partner in life, strolling with my homies, 501. Dude, that's going to cause a little, uh, they're going to have sandpaper in their house over that. That's a one-point separation. Church of Czech Hose, 481. Susie Wolf stand account, 469. She made a nice little bit of a leap. And then uh, KJ, <laughs> still bringing up the rear with 322. He's almost down 50% to you and me. We're, we got him by... Yeah, he's doing terrible. Over 200 points. Yeah, he's, he's really... He really needs to get his act together. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple people played their 3X chip last week. I think uh, three people did. And so... A lot of eggs in that basket. They're yeah. going to have to ride it out for the rest of the season Yeah, just on predictions alone. Waiting for the right moment to play mine. Same. I mean, I feel like you can – I feel like last week would have been the best time to play it on Max. He, people gained so many points on 14 different overtakes. You know, if you and I had played it on him, I think we would have been clear of the rest of the field. Yeah, so I have to do the math on that again. I don't know if um, Max not getting first was as many points as what he gained by moving up. Yeah, I think with all the overtakes, it would have the points would have surpassed uh, had he gotten in first. That sounds right. Yeah. So this has been Into the Chicane, the pre-Australian Grand Prix edition. We will see you guys for the post-Australian Grand Prix. I'm Channing Apodaca. That's Brandon Wood. Yo. Peace. Peace.